We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Week 15 had a lot of highlights, a lot of lowlights, a lot of things in between, but some pretty spectacular plays, and we're going to talk today about how that affected all of our rosters, likely all of the OT community's rosters, and how teams may be shuffling through the advance period in some of the best ball contests, how our main event team may be ferrying out, how it was ferrying out, how it is currently ferrying out, Sean. They are two slightly different things, but looking forward to going through it. I did talk with Sean here for probably uh, close to, to 35 minutes before. Maybe I feel better already, Sean, but I'm going to feel better at the end of this because there were some challenges to make it through, I guess, hopes and expectations versus realities, maybe the course heading into the show. But we're going to keep it positive here and we're going to have an enjoyable show for all the listeners and for ourselves, Sean, because as we joke every week, we always feel better, more pumped up after this. But week 15, there was you, you mentioned last week on you know the potential for some of these players to have you know all-time kind of weeks over the next couple of weeks ones that you'll be talking about years down the line and of course if people win contests they'll obviously remember them but some of the performances this week were truly spectacular we had obviously james cook having a massive game against the dallas cowboys we also had christian mccaffrey we'll be talking about in a moment have a spectacular day you know, lots of massive performances across the board that we will get into but pretty spectacular sean all things considered week week 15 but a lot of running back tight end performances rather than maybe as much at the the wide receiver position true and yet our amon ross st brown team did well he had a nice game there on saturday evening colin you made it sound a little dour there i mean things were actually very good this week it's the it's the difficulty i mean sometimes like not the you know, bigger they are, harder they fall. The higher your expectations, the more it hurts when they come crashing down to earth. Colin, we were in 15th overnight, right? Saturday night into Sunday because we have the Jerry Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Sam Laporta trio. And we're looking at guys like CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Travis Etienne, Trey McBride going off on Sunday. And as I list those names out, it is mostly clear that they did not do enough 
call them the biggest potential dagger and the biggest breath of relief. And probably the thing I'm going to be tracking the most through the week, because sometimes you have situations like with Tyreek Hill, where he goes back into week 14, he plays all right. And then he misses week 15. Call the entire overtime community is certainly holding its collective breath about Trey McBride, who does leave this game for a while, comes back out, catches five more passes the entire season column has been about Sam Laporta and Trey McBride, and it was again in week 15. These guys utterly unstoppable. You talk about those games that we'll remember forever. There wasn't a huge yardage or target performance from Laporta, but when you go 556 and three as a tight end, you set up your fantasy managers to be in the thick of things in these fantasy contests. And it was also interesting too, because you also have a little bit of that what could have been. Ben and I are very well positioned with our top main event team, but the first thing that he messaged me about Saturday night was that he was so excited and then realized that the three Sam Laporta teams were the ones that lost last week. And so <laughs> our, our chasing stolen bananas team has scored 190, has a player to go. It missed the auto bid by eight points and it did lose in the championship. So that's just battling for the little you know consolation prize there. You and I... In the big event, we're doing well. Come the other one here that is interesting and probably isn't as interesting to everyone else as it is to me, but we do talk sometimes about the close place. And also, I think this is pretty relevant as we're going forward. You have a lot of notes about this player in your sheet. Javante Williams, 12 carries, 27 yards. I mean, he just looks so bad. It's it's devastating, I think, for him because he's clearly not the same player. And then obviously it's frustrating for Denver as a reality team. And it's so disappointing for his fantasy managers where it seemed so positive. The comeback, he's ready to play at the start of the year. This is one of those situations where the player does have a good initial comeback. And yet we're now really looking to 2024 for the explosiveness. I think if you've held him in dynasty, I mean, it's not that he can't come back and still be a very meaningful player for you. But I do think the window now has somewhat closed in terms of getting that post-injury bounce price. He's going to have to accomplish a lot in 2024 to be the same type of asset. And you're not necessarily purely looking at it as an asset, obviously. You and I, we want to play him in the main event next week, and hopefully he'll score some points. He's got to look better. This one also a very frustrating one where he appears to score a touchdown and it's not ruled that way. Now, this isn't one where I have any kind of huge frustration with the officials. This one is a pure 50-50 where I do think that he was in. I completely understand why he wasn't ruled that way since it was about as close as you could possibly get. The commentators and myself certainly wanted the Broncos to challenge. I We've seen challenges go just in really unexpected ways that's one of the reasons why you want to always get that challenge if your player is involved because the replay booth often does things that are not supported by the video so maybe you would get an overturn it was close enough i don't think that play would have been overturned anybody who is battling you know in or out those six points for javante williams potentially would have been big yeah and i even messaged you um on sunday to say you know, I kind of was okay with him only getting four points this week because you mentioned the the, the Lions 3-0 who obviously put up massive numbers and one of those being a, a fourth down conversion late in the game when they didn't really have to <laughs> throw another touchdown to Sam Laporta, but that is what they did. So I was kind of balancing all things out and all things considered. 
but my my issue in that play sean you mentioned the the broncos challenging it that one i don't know if he is in i, I think as you mentioned it wouldn't have been overturned but the one before that where mclaughlin is held up on the line i think he's over the line there they didn't challenge that either oh i was i was not as invested in that one and i was glad i wasn't challenged because i'm like the next play is going to be javante williams and then javante williams is out there on the edge and all he has to do is either run fast or hit the guys hard he didn't do either one no that was was my so disappointed in himself too when he didn't get when he gets back up and he looks over the official and the official's pointing down at the like two inch line I mean, that was a very human reaction his shoulders droop and he's just like how did i not get in on that yeah because uh i've mentioned this in the past but sometimes we see plays where the player is over the line or they extend the ball and it goes over the pylon and it's not given for one reason or another and we see the team huddle up and i know maybe you don't want them to allow defensive substitutions or something to that extent but you're also taking a potential six points minimum potentially seven points off the board in that situation for your own team i think let those replays run through and if it is something that's very very close it's, it's i think it is worth the, the challenge there they didn't challenge it and it obviously comes back to haunt them as they actually do get in on a, on a follow-on play it's uh called back and then they settle for a field goal so a disastrous kind of uh, sequence of events there for the denver broncos the other thing sean that you mentioned there that i was going to say is it shouldn't have been a conversation point javante williams has to get in on that play he is one-on-one there's a blocker on his left hand side he probably on that play should be going for the pylon rather than into the end zone and then when he lowers the shoulder it wasn't enough to, to get over the line so the part there that you mentioned you know with his performance over the last stretch here it feels like coming back from that injury that he may have hit a wall at a point of a season here hopefully we can see him get back above that again but it has really tapered off and then the broncos it feels like don't fully trust him either he's played for or he played 48 percent of their offensive snaps this week that was his lowest share since week six this this was a tough blow for for williams managers on the other side though i mentioned the late touchdown for laporta fantastic game here for jared goff lots of points going all around the the detroit lions offense here so positive for them as they get back to winning ways sean the player that i was going to mention to kick things off but we we went in a direction which i think was pretty fun there with the lions conversation we don't not, are, often get the saturday night game so we wanted to dive into those but the 49ers get the win on the road against the cardinals 45 29 this one finishes up it's, I know the Bills are charging at the moment with their win over the Cowboys, but it is really tough to look past the San Francisco 49ers team and, and say that they are not the best team in the NFL at the moment. For me, I feel like they, they're they my call here for the, the Super Bowl as we, we move forward towards the playoffs. But Brock Party, four touchdowns for him, 242 yards, a lot of conversation around who should be the NFL MVP. You know, is it Christian McCaffrey? Is Brock Party even the MVP on his own team? But he is making some very very nice plays that they they do look like you know most people could make them but i don't think that is the case another one here in this game being the the second touchdown of debo samuel in a place where where no defender is an opportunity to get it's a great play by samuel but brock party is doing some really nice things in this offense christian mccaffrey though 18 carries 115 yards a touchdown for him he also goes five for 72 and two touchdowns one which He's wide open where Purdy throws it to him. He goes to the ground. He gets up when he can run into the end zone. So CMC, Sean, part of one of our best ball teams over at the FFPC that is 
looking like it's going to sneak through without you know in first place in that league without something spectacular happening here on monday night football but we needed every one of those points that he put up in that particular contest george kettle two for 54 samuel who i mentioned uh four receptions 48 yards two touchdowns ayuk with a quiet day has the five targets three for 37 for him but the note on samuel that i, I wanted to mention here sean when we're on that topic on his last three games he has 20 total touches is seven touchdowns probably not sustainable you would say but with Debo Samuel it feels like that's what he does you a good point you made on stealing bananas was we obviously started Brandon Ayuk in, in that contest potentially we've been talking about the scenario of Rasheed Rice maybe moving forward but for people who are maybe in similar situations it's probably a case where that'll even out over this stretch rather than chase those rice points and you know put Ayuk. there's a, there's every chance this is Ayuk next week with the, the Debo performance here and a lot of the decision comes down to your particular comfort with certain types of risk because with Rashi Rice the risk is obviously that he is a young player who hasn't done it over a long stretch of time you have the chief's unwillingness at points not the last several weeks but unwillingness at points to fully involve him and the fact that the kansas city offense has not been explosive and so when you're thinking about dividing up the various scores for kansas city i mean you wouldn't necessarily expect to be at this point in the season and say okay our issue is just that kansas city is not going to score enough and so that also lowers the ceiling for a player who has other types of uncertainty whereas with brandon Ayuk, he has been good for such a long stretch of time that we have absolutely no question about his talent and we have absolutely no question about the overall number of points that we expect this 49ers team to score i mean if you were to tell us without letting us know what the actual score for Ayuk was that the 49ers put up six offensive touchdowns and Brock Purdy through for four. I mean, you'd feel like you made the right decision to play Brandon Ayuk in that game. The issue that you have with Ayuk is that this is now kind of a efficiency-based massive pie type of bet in a weekly bet where in any given week, I mean, he could be the guy who, I mean, he's probably the player who's most likely to go for 100 yards as a receiver in this group in this particular game no one goes for 100 and none of the receivers go for more than 55 right george kittle hits 54 on just the two catches one of them which goes for 35 yards if a receiver goes for 102 touchdowns i mean it's probably going to be brandon iu but the problem is just that i mean christian mccaffrey always involved kittle involved and then debo samuel also a superstar and this is one of the things where i think that if you're simply looking at the sustainability of certain types of plays you're going to overlook the value of a Debo Samuel from a full season perspective because it's not surprising that he would do the things that he's done over the last several weeks when he's that good and in that offense and you can say that if the offense weren't as good it would be in part because there weren't as many weapons around him and that would also work for him when you're a superstar player like a Debo Samuel, one of the things that is so good about you and one of the reasons why we wanted drafters to really load up on him at the end of round three this year was that there are so many different types of ways that he can win. 
He can win through efficiency. He can win through teammate injury that opens up more work. It's easy to say in retrospect that, yeah, I mean, basically what you'd love to do this season is just take a ton of 49ers. That was part of our plan. We also have a lot of Ayuk. You're taking McCaffrey anywhere you can get him. I was looking at my best ball mania teams, and certainly they're heavily Brock Purdy skewed at this point. All of that part of it works. And then what you're trying to figure out with the 49ers is in individual formats with individual situations, what tactics are necessary to accomplish the objectives you have for that specific team. So now we have to continue to you know, work with this element going forward. One of the things that we do have to consider is if we want to risk flipping guys, getting the down week from Rice, missing out on the Rice points. At the same time, it's great to have a backup if McBride is not able to go. Because one of the reasons that we're having this decision, it's basically a three-way decision between Ayuk, Rice, and McBride for the two flex spots. It's a great position to be in, right? I certainly have plenty of teams that are deeply advanced that would love that decision. It, it is a tough one. I think that as we look at what Rice is doing now, and if the Chiefs, without Isaiah Pacheco, who was just basically siphoning a huge amount of play volume and scoring opportunity for the Chiefs in games where he doesn't play with the workload that Rice is getting now with his specific usage profile now. I mean, you're talking about a guy who could go for 10 catches and two touchdowns and then, you know, whatever the yardage situation is that happens to go with that, whether or not it's mostly underneath or whether or not he breaks a play or two. Basically, we've gotten to a situation now where all of these guys are very difficult to bench. I mean, certainly you can't go and bench CeeDee Lamb or Amon Ra, but it's tough. And it's a great situation to be in at the same time. It also does leave you with that angst because you know that you're, you, you simply can't always make the right decision. And when you don't, you look at those points on the bench, and you're like, man, those are the points that might have gotten us over the line. So that's part of the, the joy and, you know, certainly the what might have been of fantasy football because those start set decisions you can you can do them well you can use the tools that we um Colin, we did a show on it a couple weeks ago and yet if you have a coin flip with like high value players as opposed to guys where mostly you're just hoping for kind of a, a shot score then yeah i mean you're going to have some misses so anyway i love this i'm excited about the team Certainly has a lot of confidence in Brandon Ayuk. One of the things when you look at this game is that he does have the five targets, and it could have transpired fairly differently. He drops a long pass, which you don't tend to see from him, and he has a second potential long reception where the defensive back gets his hand in at the very last second. Yeah. So even in this game, I mean, those two passes are complete. It looks totally different. We are fast approaching the holiday season. We're always looking for the perfect gifts for those near and dear to us, our families and friends. And what could be better than a ticket to a live event? We're heading towards the crucial weeks of the NFL season, and there's so much sports going on, but there's also concerts, comedy, theater, so many other things that you can go and get a ticket to this time of year. Can be stressful looking for tickets, getting the best price, the best seats, trying to figure everything out to have the best experience, but it doesn't have to be like that because buying tickets 
tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have. They have exclusive flash deals. They have the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find a ticket in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Buying tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps on their app and you're set. So whether it's for a gift or whether it's just to treat yourself this holiday season, snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Sean, on the other side, we did touch on it a little bit at the start, but Trey McBride did leave this game for a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned at the start I was a little bit down on it uh, for the day, I guess. But you mentioned we were in 15th place overall after the Saturday action. We are in 85th, which is still a very, very promising scenario to be in. Basically 170 points scored this week in the main event. And, And with that as well, our best score of the season, I did look at this today, Sean, was 170.5. So pretty much, you know, best performance of the season for the team. But based on our expectations heading into Sunday, it changed around. But somebody whose expectations uh, were achieved, I guess we'll say, was Trey McBride. And our expectations are very high for McBride. But there was a point in this game, I told you before we started, where watching the game, Trey McBride, Sean Hedges, that was one of the 
That was one of the standout moments for me yesterday as my heart skipped a few beats at that point, but thankfully he was back into the lineup. He has 11 targets, 10 receptions, 102 yards in total. Looks amazing. We talk, Sean, a lot about Sam Laporta. At this point, I don't know which I would rather take. I don't think he's even close to Trey McBride. Now, from I a fantasy he... perspective going forward, because one of the things here is that as frustrating as Jared Goff was in week 14, he's still playing much better than Kyler Murray. And that was the next. And Kyler Murray is playing <laughs> terrible. 26 of 30, 39 in this, 211 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Kyler hasn't really looked that good since he has come back from his injury. But again, this is another game where 211 passing yards for him, 102 of those accumulated to Trey McBride. And this offense at the moment, James Conner does a 14 carries, 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground going his way. Emmy DeMarcado also has a long touchdown, 49-yard touchdown, and kind of a, a broken play where the defense overcommits and he goes through the line and off he goes. He has 64 yards and a touchdown. There seemed to be quite carries. a bit of overconfidence from the 49ers mm-hmm. on this one where there were plays on the defensive side where there was like, oh, we just thought the Cardinals guy was going to go down. <laughs> we didn't bother to, to finish the play and tackle him. That, that is true. But Trey McBride, obviously a monster part of it. But I, I didn't know if, what what way you were going to react with that, Sean. But you're going with McBride is better than Sam Laporte at this point. Both of them absolutely fantastic. But what I'm feeling over the last three or four weeks in particular is the draft landscape next year is going to be interesting because we, we like to try and draft elite tight ends. We're not afraid to draft tight ends in those first two to three rounds. But that is not something that a lot of people are comfortable with. And it feels like at the moment that all these tight ends are going to be <laughs> up in the those uh, top five rounds heading into next season because the young guys have really started to break out here. In tracking how the offseason develops, what the offenses look like. Now, you, you look at the situation with Kyler Murray appearing to be the guy in Arizona. They seem happy with him. In some ways, surprisingly, the offensive coordinator, I think, has done a very nice job with an overmatched group of players. But you love the fact that Trey McBride is the centerpiece of the offense. Now, whether that's because the offense is sort of tight end centric, which I do sort of lean into, one of the things that was so shocking in the first couple of weeks was that despite being so much more limited, the Zach Ertz was drawing all of the targets. Now, where we are here with Marquise Brown not being very good and being hurt with Rondell Moore never really emerging as the type of player who's an NFL fit with Michael Wilson suffering through some injuries as a rookie, but probably being just a guy. Part of it is simply that they don't have other places to throw the ball. And so the Cardinals could rectify some of that. They could knock down McBride's role in the future. Obviously, one of the problems that Sam Laporta has, and you look at the game he had this past week, where it's actually not a huge reception and yardage game, is that Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown are so good that any additional targets then to Jameson Williams, any additional touches to David Montgomery, and one of the reasons the Lions look so much better in this game is that finally they're not spending the majority of the game trying to establish David Montgomery. And I say that with a lot of enthusiasm for how well David Montgomery has actually played. But you have to understand the pecking order for your players. If a guy is the fourth or fifth best weapon, even if he's having an excellent season, he can't be the player that you're playing through. 
on Saturday, the Lions finally seemed to realize that. But when you have Gibbs and you have Amon Ra, there is just a limit. You're starting to look at a situation where if Sam Laporta has a season like a George Kittle, then number one, you wouldn't be surprised. And number two, you wouldn't be quite as excited because Kittle, despite being very good, has some of those same problems that Ayuk has, where you can be very good and still, for a team that is competing to win a tournament, I mean, he might not even be playable. And so really apples and oranges there. But the other part of this, and one of the reasons why I call them is so fun to do these Monday shows, obviously we talk about some things that all the listeners already know, and you're just kind of giving a little bit of perspective on some of the stuff. But there's also this idea of, of trying to work through things that probably most people haven't necessarily seen, because if you don't spend all day long on Sunday frantically watching football, then you simply can't see all the plays, right? And if you didn't have players in 49ers Cardinals, this might not be a game that you spend a lot of time with because you're expecting the 49ers to win in a route, which they did. The receptions in this game by Trey McBride over and over are astonishing. He is having to rise up and he's plucking balls out of the air that are both over defenders. Yeah, over defenders. Defenders are closer to the ball than he is. The ball is over his head and offline. And he's getting two hands on the ball. One of the things that you do see a lot in the NFL is that because of the coverage that a play like the Odell Beckham play, like some of the George Pickens plays, because they justifiably, because they're great catches and they're, the visual is so amazing that you're going to put that out there over and over and over again. There is some incentive for players on balls that are off target to try and make crazy catches as opposed to simply make the catch. Trey McBride is getting both hands on balls that are nowhere close to him. And he's pulling them down, fighting through defenders. On one of these, it was a third and six. He goes up in the air over a defender, pulls the ball down, lands on, gets both feet under him, and then plunges forward and reaches the ball across the line. Then he gets up and celebrates. And this is a guy with a ton of energy, which again is one of the reasons why just so shocking that they didn't start the season with him. I mean, you've got this guy and you started the season with Zach Ertz. It, it's crazy to me, but the Cardinals are in a great place with it now. I mean, Trey McBride, he's one of the five most exciting players in football, but he's on the Cardinals. So most people, unless you have a reason to, are not seeing this. The that play you're on about that was after he came out of the locker room with the shoulder issue and I, like he really put effort into you know how pumped up he was to celebrate there and I was thinking like watch your shoulder <laughs> don't hurt your shoulder you're, you're uh, worried that the 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 double flex yeah he was going to like strain like, a little bit further but that when play he, when you he know reaches that ball out across the first down line are you worried like his his arm is just going to pop no, I was off okay at that I was okay at that point I was hoping he was going to be able to extend it all the way to the the end zone but. Even on that play, the effort and the IQ in terms of football IQ to try and extend it out like that, we obviously seen one of the most impressive touchdown. You mentioned Odell Beckham, but the T. Higgins touchdown for the Bengals this week, where he reaches out, just such a incredible heads up effort. I don't. There's a lot, not many players who are going to go through the motion and think to attempt that, but with Trey McBride, every time he's making one of these plays, it feels like he is trying to think those. And I'm not saying players aren't thinking multiple steps ahead with all these plays, but he also has a catch where he's going towards the sideline and he's 
trying to stay in bounds. Like he toe taps for about five extra yards, but he after it he is so disappointed with himself that he like hasn't taken it all the way to the end zone. For a player, you talk sometimes about his athleticism and the the metrics there. For for a player of his size to be you know toe tapping down the sideline and changing direction like that, just just a, a phenomenal athlete. So I am very excited about that. Sean, you might need to help me with excitement levels on the next one because I know this is a player that both of us the ot community are heavily invested and we were hoping for a shootout and the la rams versus the washington commanders we didn't quite get it in the way that we thought matthew stafford though looking really good here cooper cup gets wide open on a busted coverage for a deep touchdown we've seen the commanders have some issues with those you know we've seen it with tyree kill a couple of weeks ago where once those wide receivers run past 25 yards they they forget to cover them but a nice throw nice catch there by by cup takes it into the end zone we get Kyron Williams again looking good. But I guess the, the talking point here, Sean, is the quarterback change for the commanders. 9.05 left in the fourth quarters, 28 to 7 at that point. You know, you have a second year quarterback. There has been conversations around sometimes he, you know, wants to make the play, even if the play is not there. You know, that kind of live to see another day state of things. So, the Rams were putting a lot of pressure on them. They had their ears pinned back. And, and that's kind of the reason that Ron Rivera has given for making that change. But immediately we have the, the quarterback change and we have uh, Jacoby Brissett come in, kind of <laughs> scores an instant touchdown. Things starting to look better for them at that point. But after the game, uh, Rivera responding that Howell is obviously the, the starting quarterback the rest of the way. But for myself, yourself, starting them in some of our Superflex formats, it was a big blow to the week 15 scoring obviously but how, how did you feel about the change it, it was a case that this was a day where it was not working out for for Howell in there but I, I was still surprised at, at the change coming yeah it it's not great right it's not great he's 11 for 26 Jacoby Brissett is 8 for 10 throws two touchdowns it's a pretty stark contrast and you can say that you're trying to protect the player. You can say that he's going to be the QB going forward. As soon as you've yanked him the first time, I think that you have opened the door to yanking him again. And I, I don't think it's as severe as the Minnesota situation, but like you're saying, once you take them out, it's always a case of, you know, if you're playing bad, the, the chains there to take you back out again. Yeah. it Because you can always make the thing of, you know, oh, we're going to protect him for next year, but you're going to get, you know, new coaches you're going to get entirely new brain trust here likely a relatively good draft pick at this point as well and so it's i mean it's not great you, and you think about the success that he has had this season where i think it's important to focus on that and one of the reasons why it's so frustrating for fantasy managers is that he played well enough at least from a, an accumulation perspective to get a lot of teams where they needed to go and then to lose him in this week, especially in a game where you're like, I mean, he wasn't playing well. You probably, you know, we're going to get a lot more from him anyway. I mean, you don't know that. I mean, one of the reasons why you want to leave him in is because if he throws two more touchdowns in this yeah. game, like Brissett did, then suddenly you're like, Oh, he led them to a comeback. You have that opportunity when you're left in the game, when you get yanked, you don't. No, and, and, and far, this is obviously the, <laughs> We're talking two slightly separate things at the same time. One is the NFL side of it for the commanders moving forward. The other is the fa fantasy football aspect of it this week. But there is a huge amount of points, Sean, that is put up in garbage time. And like you're saying, having the opportunity, even if it's just to put up another one touchdown, could be the difference in some teams for 
people playing to uh, make it over the line or not. And Blair and I have a team in the Superflex tournament column that I was hoping would match up with the team that you and I have, you know, later on as we go through here that had over a hundred points on Saturday and easily in first looks great. Has Sam Howell, Josh Allen, a third quarterback. And I mean, you're thinking, you know, we're going to run away with this thing. Then Howell gets yanked. Allen completes seven passes and you finish third. So it, it makes a difference. I mean, you could you don't make it through with Howell as you expected. I think you have to look at two of the things here. I think that he has to play better and he has to continue to develop. He's played so well and has so much upside. You see him rolling out and being able to pick up first downs with his legs early on in this game. Those things are just so valuable to reality teams. We do need him to be able to get the ball down the field. We need him to be able to throw not just on time but accurately so the players can catch and run what well, also of the things his teammates have they... to make catches that no. this is another game in a really bad month for the washington commanders receivers where they dropped a ton of passes and we're trying to extend drives in the modern nfl and do it against a team like the rams and he only takes the one sack in this game right that's not a huge element here your guys have to catch passes and if you're take, throwing the ball underneath a lot because again you're trying to have a high success rate and you're trying to avoid the rush the guys have to catch passes now he's benched after a play where Terry McLaurin makes a great effort and ends up tipping the ball to a Rams player for a pick I don't have any problem with the effort there Terry McLaurin also has a deep target in this game where he almost makes one of the most extraordinary catches in NFL history. And it was very clearly not a catch. And yet, Colin, this was a situation where, I mean, my honest reaction to this play was that the official who was right there saw it and thought, this is the greatest play I've ever seen. It's not a catch, but I'm going to help him get up and try and run to the line before it's challenged and overturned. I mean, you you don't necessarily see an official sprinting down the field, grabbing the ball and helping him take it to the line of scrimmage so they can run a play because the official is so excited about a non-catch. But we had that in this game. It did get overturned. <laughs> we we also had uh, McLaurin being down at the one-yard line or maybe even less than the one-yard line with a deep pass from uh, Brissett in this one which led to a series of events when we're looking at how the offense was going and we're looking at then you know Brissett comes in they do score the points and it looks a little bit better there was three minutes and one second ran off the clock in a game where you want to get the points to have a, a chance then you want to save the clock as well as the points from the one yard line Sean three minutes and one second nine snaps multiple pass interferences in the end zone kept this drive alive but Eventually, it does go to Curtis Samuel for a touchdown. But a, a bizarre kind of run of events, some very questionable calls in there too on those flags, but uh, leads to that last touchdown for them. So we'll see what happens with Howell here moving forward. But I was surprised that they made the change. The other thing that the, the offensive line, whether it was the offensive line played better or the pass rush started to take it a little bit easier at that point when Brissett came in, there was a noticeable difference in the protection uh, you know you mentioned some of the scrambles that we were seeing with sam howell but in this game those times were you know as the ball snapped he's he's almost under pressure instantly brissette is standing back there like he's having 
a Saturday afternoon at the beach. <laughs> you're like, where? I mean, did the defense suddenly start playing seven guys again? I mean, you're watching it through a lens where you know you have some pretty serious favoritism, but it was bizarre <laughs> to see the difference because, as you said, it was night and day. Yeah, I didn't know if that was just me, but I, I wanted to pitch it out there, so I'm glad to know it wasn't just me that, that was noticing that change. Sean, this week as well, we did mention Trey McBride. Thankfully, he came in, but there was some unfortunate injuries around, around the entire NFL. We had players who obviously missed out this week, the likes of Tyreek Hill, for example. We had CJ Stroud missing out. Lots of players that were, were unavailable. But then we also had, in the Baltimore game, we have Keaton Mitchell, who suffers a season end injury you know at this point of the year sometimes season end doesn't mean that severe it looks to be going to be quite a severe knee injury for him somebody who we've talked a bit about on the show had been looking very good flashing someone for this athleticism he did again flash that early in this game but his knee bending at a unfortunate angle that it shouldn't uh flex to in, in this particular contest and and he was ruled out pretty quickly and you know wishing him all the best and hopefully We'll see how that recovery goes. We already just talked a little bit earlier in the show about Javante Williams and, and how that may have taken a toll on him as well. Trevor Lawrence also very late in this game, suffers a concussion, goes into the concussion protocol after the game is over. Isaiah likely, Sean, another nice game here for him at the tight end position. And I know there was a lot of teams that may have you know not got a lot from him throughout the season, but over the last couple of weeks, he has looked good with some very impressive catches. But a, a difficult game for both offenses i think it would be fair to say here where both defenses kind of stepping up and although the jacksonville jaguars conceded 23 points i think they really limited lamar jackson in this contest so what were some of your key takeaways from here another player that's on that main event roster of ours zay flowers obviously not getting much action here we get bateman having some flashes early but nothing coming up at odell beckham kept in check so but what are your thoughts from the Baltimore Jacksonville game here on, on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, at one point you have commentary that the Ravens have morphed into a pass oriented team, which is very clearly a denial of reality <laughs> sort of statement. You have Lamar Jackson really struggling as a passer, and yet it doesn't matter because his 12 for 97 and just every week you see him as perhaps the best player in the entire nfl with the ball in his hands now you know you put him in space i would still prefer to have a jameer gibbs probably a Brees hall you know certainly a tyree kill but what lamar jackson does is astonishing i do think it's a concern for them the jacksonville defense has not been as strong during this losing streak not their only problem obviously trevor lawrence with the injuries that he has Travis Etienne, you know, no space to run anywhere. They have the injuries on the receiving side of the ball where without Christian Kirk, this team is a lot more lifeless. You have 12 targets for Calvin Ridley, just the 39 yards. He continues to really struggle in his comeback. You look at the Ravens side of it, and I do think if you're Jacksonville and you hold Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers to two catches for 21 yards, you're probably feeling like you did all right in this game. And yet they were never in it, right? So the Ravens, dominant on defense, they can control games in that fashion. You have Lamar Jackson to be able to extend drives through his scrambling, you know, throughout, but especially on third down. 
I do think it's a, a big blow to them to lose Keaton Mitchell. We talk about the explosive plays and we talk about, you know, how do you create balance? And if you're going to run the ball, to run the ball with players who have enough talent for it not to be a big problem. One of the big things we've seen with the Kansas City Chiefs over the last couple of weeks is how much it's helped them to not have Pacheco on the Ravens side. It's really helped them to have Mitchell and to have fewer carries to August Edwards. But with Mitchell out, you're back to this uncomfortable mix between Edwards and Hill. There's a possibility that they simply become more pass-oriented in a way that helps them. Although, again, this is not a team that passes the ball effectively. right? They're going to have some big plays. And so you're going to have occasionally the yardage. But in the passing game, you, you need to have some consistency as well. That's what makes everything about your offense work. The inability to really develop flowers as an every game star and so you know one game with one for seven doesn't cause a huge problem but Colin one of the reasons why he's dropped well down in our decision making is that over the second half of this rookie season there have been quite a few games like this they don't have someone they can run the offense through with Mark Andrews out they don't have someone now that it gives them the compliment to Lamar Jackson in the running game this is another situation where the weakness at the top we have the Dolphins and if anything the Dolphins victory over the Jets combined with the Titans loss to the Texans starting Case Keenum makes it even more mind-boggling that we got the Monday night meltdown last week it's just it's almost impossible to fathom how that game transpired the way it did down the stretch the Dolphins do offer some upside in the playoffs but I think that this was a great week for Kansas City and for Buffalo when you think about the steps that they have taken now despite having very disappointing seasons and you look at the situation with the Ravens where the injuries and the ineffectiveness of the passing offense bring this entire group a little closer together. Yeah, I agree. When we look, Sean, I'm going to do a little bit rapid fire. I'll let you finish off with one final point, but you mentioned a couple of the games there, but this game for the Miami Dolphins represented Raheem Mostert's 19th and 20th touchdown of the season that 19th put him in as the Miami Dolphins rushing or running back record holder in terms of total touchdowns for a season he had 19 touchdowns in his first eight seasons in the NFL Sean so this has been a, a really big season for him in terms of the backfield I mentioned to you before the show some of the the HN teams you know having a little bit of trouble trying to advance this week but Running back splits in terms of the snaps. We had Mostert 31, Achan 22, and then Jeff Wilson at 8. Both Achan and, and Mostert with 12 rights, so level in the rights department. Waddle obviously had a, a big day, which was nice to see in the absence of Tyreek Hill, has the deep touchdown. This was a, a post-apocalyptic disaster for the New York Jets all around. And then, you know, we didn't get into the, the Chiefs game, but Rice, his target shares over the last number of weeks 25 plus percent in all games this week 25.7 james cook monster performance he is not the reason but you know 31 to 10 against the cowboys with seven completed passes on the day by josh allen james cook with a an extremely impressive performance to back up what he did the week previous he should have had an additional receiving touchdown where I think his eyes lit up that he's you know heading towards the end zone and kind of has his head turned before he catches the ball but that one did drop down at about the four yard line he did not get in on that one Dak Prescott 
had a, a tough day, you know, then the, the touchdown that they do get is a rushing touchdown for CD Lamb. So just the six fantasy points for him after he had averaged 26.7 over his previous eight games. And Sean, there was one league this week where Superflex, I'm fortunate at the quarterback position. I have Josh Allen, I have Dak Prescott, and I have Jared Goff. Jared Goff was on the bench this week out of those those three options, which obviously he had his uh, impressive night on Saturday night. And the other one to mention is that the Packers defense really did crumble against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chris Godwin goes off for a huge day. We love Chris Godwin. Delighted to see him have a big day in the box score again. Mike Evans gets into the end zone. He is heading into the high 90s in terms of total touchdowns now for his career. Uh, approaching 100 total touchdowns he is now tied 12th all time give this man his gold jacket already and you know if you're a defense and you've been watching what this team has done over the last couple of weeks mike evans is somebody you want to cover maybe they thought chris godwin hasn't been doing as much so we don't need to cover him so we'll, we'll give him 10 receptions 150 yards but then rashad white sean he has been doing quite good for this team from what i have understood over the last little bit of time so you know out of the backfield you probably don't want to cover him when you're in the, the red zone so he takes that one unopposed on, on baker mayfield the first quarterback and you know i guess in packers history the uh, opposing quarterback to have a perfect passer rating at lambeau field so i was saying to you before baker had a nice game here some nice throws there is some of that stat stat line for him in the box score uh including that touchdown pass to David Moore that is is laughably bad from a, a defensive scheme point of view. But what do you want to head on? I, I went through a lot there, Sean. And what, one of them things you're allowed to talk about here to finish off today's show. Week 15 really emphasizes for us how what we think about an entire season is often going to come down to a very localized set of events you think about how well josh allen played from a fantasy perspective this year you talk about how well jalen hurts has played how well cj stroud has played Dak prescott how well Dak prescott has played and you get a week where josh allen completes seven passes Dak prescott has one of those performances that looks like a lot of his career in big games prior to 2023 CJ Stroud obviously out. We don't know what Hurts is going to do coming into Monday Night Football with an illness. And then you contrast that with the game, for example, that Baker Mayfield had. You contrast it with the game that we get from Jared Goff, the game from Brock Purdy. One of the things that I encourage people to do when you get all of the information again next offseason about what worked in 2023 is to remember that week 15 could have been i mean it couldn't have been in a different order i mean that doesn't make sense it's gonna be week 15 but the way that these different events took place and when they took place if they happen at just a slightly different time everything changes and we really liked late round qb this year and Colin, that's one of the things that I think has been the most effective of all of the things that we have done. I mean, the tight ends have been huge for us. But James Cook having the, this game when he had it is huge for us because James Cook was one of the guys that we really liked. And so you love all of those things. 
But when you're talking about things that you are right about and when you are self-evaluating things that you were wrong about, you want to make sure that you are right as opposed to kind of right and lucky. And the same thing from the opposite direction when you lose and you're trying to figure out how do I want to change my strategy for the next year to make sure it doesn't happen again. You want to think about the big picture and the fact that the lesser QBs came through in a huge way in a week that's so important for advance, whether that is moving up the leaderboard in the main event, whether it's winning your home league's quarterfinals, which you have to do to get where you want to be, a you know, Rotovis Triflex quarterfinal, whether it's advancing through a very important round in Best Ball Mania. I love the late round QB. I think it was the right choice. But there's there are plenty of other worlds in which Josh Allen put up a huge score. CJ Stroud stayed healthy, puts up a huge score. Jalen Hurst doesn't get sick, puts up a huge score. And everybody is thinking, yeah, it's just right back to this idea of the quarterbacks at the very, very top are separating. Make sure you have those guys. Now, CJ Stroud would have still been a late pick, even though he was a high score. So you have a mix of things there. But as you're looking at that element and all of these other elements, try to keep a multi-year view in mind and understand that specific big games, when they happened, we're not guaranteed and that we want to understand other ways the season could have played out, not make tactical mistakes or compound mistakes or make additional minor errors and have a lot of minor errors because we're assuming that something that happened in an important week was guaranteed to happen and will happen again in the future. I think that's a really good way to summarize it up. We obviously have Monday night football coming into action. If you need a miracle there's some of the teams sean that we need miracles there's some that we're trying to avoid people getting miracles there's all sorts of different things on monday night football one of the things that we kind of could tell the listeners that we're probably rooting for is we're in a little bit of a hole in the triflex to advance as one of the top two of the four teams in action this week i believe a 24 point game from deandre swift would get us through so we're not even looking for a james cook or a christian mccaffrey like day we're just looking for nice 24 points there from deandre swift and we'll see but we will update you on how things go throughout the rest of the teams on the next edition of rotoviz overtime make sure you are subscribed on your favorite podcast player of course you can check it out on youtube as well if you're signing up over at rotoviz.com you can use the promo code rb radio 2023 at checkout to get yourself a 10 percent discount ahead of the holidays sean as we record this i'm even wearing a holiday sweater so getting in the spirit here as the week kicks off but until we are back, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until next time, have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.